This is Monica Perez, joined today by a very special guest with the rare um, status of being a return guest. And I'm super excited to catch up with her. It is Tina Marie from LearnTheRisk.org. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on again. It's great I didn't to realize see. That was rare to happen. <laughs> it is because most of our shows are like daily news shows, and we're not really a guest-driven show. So we have principal thought leaders and um, maybe really based activists <laughs> like you. And normally, it's just like a news show. So we don't usually have repeat customers. But I have been so interested in what's been going on lately. I have lots and lots of questions for you. And the first one I wanted to ask, and this will be by way of recap to tell people a little bit about what you do and how you got there, is your great and good friend, Brandy Vaughn, who died how long ago now? It was December, 2020. So oh, the beginning. Wait, so, oh my gosh, that near ago? December, yeah. 2020? I can't believe yeah, it. We just past the one-year mark recently. Wow. So when I talked to you, man, that must have really oh, been was, still raw. Yeah, it was Be really early. Yes. In. So do you feel like telling us a little bit of a recap of that, or is that just yeah, ready sure. to well, And I'd like to know. Even, sorry? Oh, I was going to say some might not even realize who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure they wouldn't, and I could just recap it, but I'd rather if you did it. And I also was curious to know if there's any update on any findings or case, anything. So take as long as you want or as short as you want. And if you wouldn't mind, get us back up to speed and give people a little background on, on Brandy. Sure. Brandy was a Merck whistleblower, which not by like legal status or anything, but she was working for Merck um, and was selling the drug Vioxx and it was killing hundreds of thousands of people. And she saw the corruption from the inside where they were still put, continuing to push sales and teaching them how to keep pushing sales despite all this bad press that was out there. And so she realized she had blood on her hands that she, you know, she thought she got into that industry to help people realizing it was a uh, profits over people industry and got out of it. Uh, fast forward, she ends up having a son when she's living in Europe and the midwives had asked her, you know, do you want to have, do you want to talk about vaccines and, or no, I guess she had asked them about vaccines and they said, well, he's healthy. You know, we don't really need to talk about it because they weren't pushing that as much in Europe. They didn't have as many. They didn't push as hard. Ends up moving to the States and realizes um, how intense the push for vaccines is here. Uh, had an argument with a pediatrician and basically told him, look, I know how this works. I used to sell to people like you. I'm not, I won't be putting anything into my child until I get the product insert so I can research this for myself. He didn't want to give her the product insert and she left to basically really um, research deeply for herself, trying to understand more why he was pushing so hard. And then fast forward again, at this point she knows she's never going to vaccinate her child. And we introduce SB 277 in California where they're now going after our right to put the kids in school without being fully vaccinated. They were taking away uh, the personal belief and religious exemptions. I was amazed when I read about that. I really had to do a double take because I think it was Jerry Brown was the governor when that happened, right? I'm pretty um, sure for his second time. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I think and, so. And I remember he had written something like there was something about like supporting our personal belief. 
exemptions he, he that was, was out there already. Well, I just found that that was so significant as a changing of the guard where the crunchy granolas who are out in California, I mean, they used to call him Governor Moonbeam for whatever reason, but it doesn't sound like a guy who's pushing big pharma. And that that was the that's the my body, my choice crowd. I was amazed that California was the first mover with the most restrictive vaccine law. It shocked me. Well, at that time, um, Mississippi and West Virginia already had done this, but their smaller states probably happened a lot more quietly. So, yeah, that was a big move to be doing it to California, where people were known to be a little bit more crunchy and, you know, living more holistically. It was really aggressive to do it there. But that is why Disneyland measles happened. And that's when I was really like catapult. I was already researching like that we could cure cancer. And I was already on that path for a good 10, 11 years by the time I woke up to the vaccine issue. And I really woke up to how they manipulate us in media by Disneyland measles, because there was only like, I can't remember, maybe a hundred and some cases of the measles. And back in the nineties, there was like thousands of cases and it was no big deal. People used to have measles parties. So I was really seeing, oh, wow, they're like, they're up to something. I knew immediately they're up to something with this push about the Disneyland measles. And not even a year later is when um, SB 277 got pushed. So basically they created the problem in the media Oh, the measles, the measles. Like, so they created the problem, which was the Disneyland measles, propagated that, and then they went after our rights. So when you say they and the media and Disney and Big Pharma and all of that, do you feel like, and this really is a big question, do you feel like Big Pharma controls the media because they control the ad dollars? How do, would Disney f- fold into that? How would the government fold in with that? Do you think there's a continuum of... Big Pharma is just one piece of the puzzle and they're in bed with banks and the defense industry? Or do you think that Big Pharma is the Mac Daddy? Mm, I think it's, no, I think it's all connected. I think, I mean, right from Federal Reserve, the money issue, I mean, it's all connected. The Rockefellers, Rothschilds, you know, it goes way above government. But then people, you know, on the boards, the way they manipulate it is people are on the boards between government and these pharmaceutical industries or banks. And that's how they kind of, you know, it's, it's like this huge pyramid where it's all trickling down, but it's all connected. I was just at a show today on NATO. I was just looking into NATO, read an article and I was like, let me do a deep dive on this. And the two articles that I read about Sweden and Finland joining NATO or Sweden and yeah, Finland. And both of them, when I looked into who the authors were, cause you don't usually do that. Right. But I looked into that and they were both from the Atlantic council, which, all right, what's the Atlantic council. So the first I dig, 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 I go to their like financial reports. I mean, it didn't take very long, but you had to do a few clicks. It's not, it's not right there on the front page. And I looked at their biggest contributors and it was the Rockefeller foundation, Facebook, Google, Amazon, the State Department. And I was like, that's a, you know, the Defense Department. It was just the Charles Koch, which everyone's like, well, one's left and one's right. And uh, but they were all on that page. And I'm thinking, why do you want Sweden and Finland in NATO? Like, I get it because a lot of money will flow to Ukraine and defense and banks. But that just shows I, I wouldn't be surprised if I could find every single one of those people or entities on a big pharma board somewhere and on the board of NBC, maybe, or, you know, right. right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's layered, but it's all connected in the end. And I, 
used to, especially when I was like doing a lot of online activism, you know, some article would come out saying, I used to be anti-vaccine until, and you'd read this article and be like, this just reeks of like pharma. And so you, if you dug into a lot of that and who funded the page and who was behind it, it would always go back to like some kind of ghostwriter for pharma. I mean, there were times we could even connect it to being like the daughter of some CEO in pharma that was putting this story out. Like, it's crazy how much it's all connected and manipulated and just full of, you know, lies and there's holes in their stories, but most people aren't going to put, you know, active work into tracing back into, I mean, I don't even do it anymore. I feel like I don't have time. I know, you know, I, I, knew, I need yeah. to touch with others and I my sister calls, my sister says TLM think like Monica. And it's just that I did all the work so many times, so many times that I really don't need to do it anymore. I can just read the article. I'm like, Oh, big pharma or defense or that's a false flag that guy yeah. don't do that i'm that guy works for the state you know that doctor on the ground like tying that tourniquet is probably an envoy from just an envoy yeah. <laughs> from I'm anywhere to think like monica and my initials are tmi too much information like, <laughs> they're i think confusing messages by putting so much information out there so that people are really almost immobilized and not doing anything with the information anymore they're just like sharing and you know they're staying in all these echo chambers and we're really not piercing the public as much as we could be if people would be connecting with people in their own communities and you know actually getting out there and getting the message beyond these little echo chambers online and it's just and too much information we don't even need as much as what they're you know inundating us with the 24 7 news cycle is is maddening for somebody who tries to keep up on the news and tries to analyze the news and disseminate like curate it it's i mean i even see how trolls will work on me on twitter where they'll like try to engage me in a really really lengthy conversation and i thought is this really like a troll tactic to waste my time that's so like yeah. one by one it's probably ai now that i think about it yeah. i don't know i don't know if they're ready for that but the fact is that wasting your time and they call it oh they call it flooding the zone they call mm -hmm. it flooding the zone and they mean like the entire media world is going to have the same message but i think they can simply flood the zone for its own sake so that you just can't even catch your breath for the onslaught of water. So I like that. I was at TMI, Tina, I got you. <laughs> so, so then this happened, this happened. And, and then you guys were, so did she, what year was that? That must've been. When so they, her and I met in 2015. That's when SB 277 was wearing its ugly head. Um, and so we met through the fight. I kind of engaged. This is the first time I ever engaged in politics. And I was going up to state capitol for all the hearings. And I never trusted politicians. I never felt like they had a right to do anything, like to tell me what to do. Like I always kind of intuitively knew it was all wrong, but never had engaged. Well, I engaged, figured out it was all corrupted. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm never doing that again. It's just, to me, it's a waste of time. I feel like knowledge is power. And if you can get the people, like the people in our everyday lives, to wake up to what's happening, that we will have way more pull with people just being like, no, I won't do that. And it's rising up and protecting their children, pulling them out of government schools. So her and I met on that path. Um, so we were there, a bunch of uh, rallies were happening around California, and a friend of mine convinced me that I should take on doing the one in San Francisco at the Golden Gate Bridge. And I had never put on a rally before, so I was like, she really had to talk me into it because that was going to be a huge undertaking. And I agreed to it. And because of that, Brandy 
reached out to me and asked if she could um, sponsor it and if she could speak at it and help me get speakers and whatnot. And I was like welcoming the help. Well, when we ended up meeting, we were so much on the same path. It was so much that, you know, all I, all we cared about was basically helping to save the children from, you know, this, from losing their bodily autonomy, from being poisoned, basically. And there were a lot of other activist groups in California who kept trying to control the narrative over there. They would be like, don't say that it's poison. Don't talk about the ingredients. Just say, we just want our right to choose. And they'd keep pushing that. And her and I did not like that messaging because we were like, no, like our kids are safe. You know, we don't want, we want to help the other kids. It's not just enough to have the choice. We want people to understand how to make the right choice. Well, that, I, that really stuck with me. I remember you mentioning that last time we talked and it really stuck with me because there are a lot of really prominent, I'm, I hate to say anti-vaccine, you know, vaccine educators out there, people who are skeptical or encourage or try to fight for our rights. And some of them are very famous and they get a lot of airtime, way more airtime than you get. Because when I put your show up, I have never been so hard trolled in my entire life. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to get taken down when I put it up this time. And maybe even I will get taken down. So this could be the swan song for for both of us, but but uh, so I know that that's not normal. Like you you can't get that kind of coverage, and I wondered. I always wondered what the angle was because I could never really hear them say anything that was so wrong. But what you're saying is it actually because I'm not but don't want to put words in your mouth at all. But what I what I began to glean from all of this was that the that you can actually point to bad things, poisons and damage and cover-ups and that kind of thing. And that apparently is what they find to be most threatening. Yeah. And what they're doing in some of the ones that have like their celebrity so-called leaders, and I don't look at myself as a leader. I try to just set somewhat of an example that I want other people to become their own leaders. <laughs> That's my mission is if you know the truth then speak it, like get it out into your own community. Um, but the other so-called leaders that, you know, some are fan, fanboying over them, <laughs> um, they're getting a message out that's more about, we just need safer vaccines. We just need more safety studies. We just need, cho you know, it's there, it's a, and it's a watered down message. That's not true. You know, if you go into the history of vaccines, we can show that we never needed them to begin with. I've, I might, I might have talked about that last time too, but there's a great book. Everybody should get it. If, you, if you're still researching, but it's called it? Dissolving Illusions. And it's got all the statistical. I can't see it. Like, Say it one more time. Dissolving Illusions. Dissolving Illusions. It says disease, vaccines, and the forgotten history. And that goes into the statistical data of um, the mortality rates. They were already on the decline before vaccines ever came along. Um, and I mean, this, it basically cracks it open. They just so for like polio, cause everyone will always say, what about polio? My mom, that's what my mom said. I was like, Oh mom, they reclassified oh, it's it. like saying Hitler when you're arguing for, you know, all right, or polio, come on. So they basically just reclassified how to diagnose. And so if you had the vaccine, you would not get a diagnosis of polio anymore. You would end up getting diagnosed with um, transverse myelitis or Guillain-Barre syndrome, and there's one more I always forget it. So they just reclassified it. Kawasaki. So it's trickery. 
Yeah, I don't think that I was the like, one. I can't think of it there's right now. A, yeah, there's they, a few of them. Trickery in the statistics, so it makes it look like polio went away. But if you really look into statistics like more deeply, we have more cases of paralysis than we did ever before. And it's because of the vaccines. It's because by coincidence, yeah. Guillain-Barre is something that is a known side effect from the flu for sure. And TDAP is another, oh, actually TDAP is uh, linked to transverse myelitis. So a kid will just suddenly one day not be able to walk anymore. And they'll say, it'll just be this big mystery to them. And they won't look at the fact that the child's been vaccinated, even if they were vaccinated in the last month doesn't matter. And it sometimes isn't, you know, it can be cumulative where we don't know what the threshold is for someone to, to react because everybody detoxes differently. Even the, the syringes, the vials are not all equal. They, you know, some can be, have, have not be shaken properly or have a heavier dose. So they're all harmful. And then in addition to that, we are all different. And so we don't know what their detox capability is. And so the next one could be, you know, could be their life that they lose or that they could end up, you know, in a wheelchair forever, or, you know, they could fry their brain. Basically there's children out there that will never, you know, I I don't like to say never because, you know, I do believe in miracles, but there's children that may never speak again because of what vaccines have done to them. And you're totally like that autism vaccine connection. People say there isn't evidence of it and the studies are flawed. But in your mind, you are there's no doubt in your mind that as a whole group of pharmaceuticals, they are neither safe nor effective. Yes. Yes. And I would so, say that with pharmaceutical drugs, in fact, it's just that general. there's no liability for I mean, we are for me it's always best to go to nature to heal ourselves because the pharmaceutical industry is by, you know, it was created and funded by the Rockefellers and they basically got a system in place that um, it's very profitable for them. Keeps people sick. I call it sick care. I mean, I personally have not been to a doctor in well over 15 years. I would say 15 to 20 years with my last child who's um, eight. I tried to go to a doctor, but I ended up being like, he was just giving suggestions that I was just like, no, this is not happening. And I ended up having a home birth. So with my five kids, I mean, they really haven't seen doctors in about 15 years now as well. And they're healthy. I have very healthy kids. So, but most people, when you go into that, you know, realm, you're, they're cut poison burn. That's, that's their suggestions. And the thing with vaccines is, they have no liability. In 1986, there was a law put in place where they are protected from all liability. So that's why right now there's over 300 in the pipeline to come. So they keep rolling out more vaccines because there's no liability. It's it's and, easier for them to, to push out the vaccines. And if they can mandate them and then insurance pays for it, now the government's paying for it. I mean, there's no downside, nothing but upside. It's a market of healthy people, which is, is 7 billion people as opposed to sick people yeah. who are only the ones that you can get to first. So, okay. Right, so, right. so you did, but you didn't stay and fight, right? So you say uh, you rallied in California. That, that, well, it ended up passing. And then I, for the first oh, year, right. I pulled my, the daughter that was affected. So you were grandfathered in and kids that were going into kindergarten were affected and kids going into middle school. So 
I had one that was already pulled out of the school system who was in second grade at the time. And I had the choice of getting him in and grandfathered in so he could have stayed till middle school. But I had another one that was just going into middle school and she, I was going to have, she was, she was getting kicked out anyway. So I thought, well, I, I don't want one in and one out. And I was really like, I felt like if you want to poison children and you people are not going to protect the children, why do I want my child going into that, you know, environment? Why would I want those people in, in my kids in the care of those people where some, you know, that are activists, um, they would get medical exemptions or whatever so that they could slip through the cracks and get their kids back in. I was very principled about it and did not want my children in it anymore. So I take them out and I was homeschooling and then we did end up leaving to go to Arizona. But even before that, I was not a big fan of California. It was super expensive and, and I'm, I'm happy that I got out of there. I love it in Arizona. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. I live in LA at the moment and it's, it has not been an easy two years. Not. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and I had to go a lot after Brandy's death. I was having to take off to Santa Barbara was where she was living when um, she passed. And I was having to go there through this, all the pandemic stuff at a time. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to be over there, yeah. <laughs> but um, so I still you know, put a mask on or anything. Ever. So let's fast forward. She, so you moved to Arizona. She stayed here. She was in Santa Barbara with her son and she continued to be active against sort of. the vaccines. She did, but she did move for two years. She went to Europe. So she takes off to Europe. I take off to Arizona. And that was because she was not feeling safe in California. She had had her home um, broken into more than once and nothing taken, but it was basically intimidation and coercion to let them know that they're watching her to scare her. So she'd never, when that happened, she never moved back in. Um, she rented it for a while, ended up selling the house and she moved to, um, France. Actually, she was in France. She was in Barcelona, Spain. Um, but she moved over there and, and continued, you know, we had started learn the risk. I was helping, you know, here in the, in the U S and I was sending out all the mailings and whatnot that we needed to do and helping with some of the graphic design. And she was over there speaking at a lot of different events and she'd come back here. She'd fly here to speak, but she wanted to be over there because she was really worried about the fact that she was a single mom, that if anything happened to her, that she was worried for her son. So that's why to protect her son, she went to Europe. Then while she's in Europe, he's hating it. He absolutely hated it there. He was getting picked on because he was kind of like the foreigner, you know, over there. And so because of that, she moved back, but she was living more, I think, um, north of San, San Francisco area at first. And then, and I, I didn't even know that because I knew she'd moved back and I didn't know. I thought I just, I guess I didn't know exactly where. And so, because she won't text that kind of stuff. She was always very, very, very careful about passwords, was careful about, um, you know, her location. She was super careful because she was, I mean, I thought paranoid at times, but rightly so. I mean, there was stuff going on that, you know, warranted her being fearful. And so then she ended up moving back to Santa Barbara. I didn't even know that she was there at first. I did end up finding out because I had taken a trip up there a couple months before that. And she was upset with me that I didn't come visit her. And I said, well, I didn't want to have to drive another hour or two like past San Francisco. And she's like, oh, I'm not even up there anymore. I'm in Santa Barbara. So I'd missed an opportunity to spend time with her just by my assumption that she was still more north. And so um, when she passed, I 
don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, so I thought that you guys had both kind of abandoned ship because of the of the vaccine. No, not passing. entirely. It helped my case. I was still with my ex at the time, and he would have never left California. He was born and raised there. I was not as big of a fan. Um, and I, so I left. Yeah, that gave me a great out because we could move to Arizona and the kids could go back to school. But once we got here, I kept actually talking my kids out of it anyway. I was like, why do you want to go there? You're just going to get indoctrinated. So for me, it was, you know, I was leaving an expensive way of living and I didn't really love it anyway. It, for me, it just was helpful, actually. <laughs> it's a blessing in disguise because he would have <laughs> probably never left had that law not been pushed through. And for Brandy, she left because it was for her son's safety. So when they came, then after two years, they come back because he was hating it and was north first ends up in san francisco and then um it was under seven months that she was gone so i feel like santa barbara was where everything was lined up to happen that's where all the break-ins were already happening that's where she was you know being intimidated and coerced i believe that because she ended up back in santa barbara it was lined up to happen because a lot of shady things started like just started happening. And I, I felt like I'd been thrown in a bad movie, a bad murder mystery. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. You, you think I think he went back to where it was all lined up to happen. Right. And you think there's, is there any doubt in your mind that she was killed, murdered? No, anyone that was paying attention to right. her life and you know what she was doing and, and knowing how much shady stuff happened, like even within the medical freedom movement, the people I was coming up against that knew me and knew I was close to her. And suddenly they're helping put documentaries together to make me look like I'm doing something shady <laughs> and act like, oh, Tina's just a volunteer, like dismissing. And, and you know, I mean, this one person was even cutting up my children in um, in comments would be like, oh, Tina's kids are illiterate, like just trolling in such an ugly nasty way oh, and i already had that person blocked and I, but these are people within the medical freedom movement like that some people love people still to this day some people do not want to see clearly what was happening even though they knew i was really close with brandy so yeah there was a lot of really shady crazy things going on which to me just confirmed it even more that she was killed i mean the yeah. what was happening was just too crazy to and she she publicly stated that she was afraid for her life. Did she not? Yeah. Yeah. And she has a video out that it shows the intimidation, you know, Brandy Bond or something like that. It's called on YouTube at where she goes through the house and, and breaks down what was done in the house. How You know, they laid the first time they came in, um, they had left some windows unlocked. And at one point they came in, I think, for a second time. And so she thinks the house was bugged because they must have heard her say where the where the computer was. They came in the second time and took the computer and laid it in the middle of the kitchen. And then they there was like she would always say in interviews that she felt like a sitting duck. And the one time uh, they'd broken in, they left a duck on her back patio on the table in the backyard. So just lots of crazy stuff was happening in in her home when they would break in, but not taking anything. It was more just to to scare her. They were trying to scare her into silence. And, you know, in that video, she said that she's not going to stop. Nothing will stop her that, you know, this is important to get this information out there. So what happened 
since then? Like, was there any coroner's report or any developments? Did anybody sue anybody? Is there is it has it been put to rest, so to speak? So they it was natural causes, they said, and it was um, basically like a heart attack. My son Um, has a where he says, oh, he calls that spontaneous combustion. Like anytime someone like commits suicide with two bullets to the back of the head or has some, you know, like hates the yeah. sight of blood, but slows his own wrist or whatever. He's just like, oh, spontaneous combustion. Like people don't just die of natural causes for no reason. Yeah, like it's, exactly. it just doesn't happen. 40 and years I, later. I hired a private or I, I hired a private investigator that really didn't go anywhere because they were withholding everything from me. Um, and then by the time I got it back, I mean, there was stuff within the computer that you could tell like a month worth of emails were just gone. And so everything was being held back from me for at least four months before I got it, even though the family in Europe was saying, even though they didn't really have rights either, but they were saying, I, you know, they were feeling like it was all crazy themselves. I have text messages where the biological grandma was saying, this is crazy. I told them to give you the phone and give you the computer. I don't understand why they're not giving it. And they're telling me you're going to kidnap Bastion. I don't understand. Like she was even confused. I told them you're a good friend. And then all of a sudden that that grandma went silent on me. She would not answer anything anymore. And she remains silent with me now even. So um, that was all very discouraging because anyone that was talking to me and seemed like they wanted to help honor Brandy would disappear and no longer. And Brandy had, you know, publicly put out um, what she wanted to have happen. If any, if there was an untimely death, it was on Facebook a year before she publicly stated what her wishes were. Mm. So I was honoring that anyone with, you know, half a brain could see that I was honoring what she wanted and I was just getting, you know, stopped every step of the way. So um, with the private investigation, I had the private investigator, which that was not really going anywhere. And then I hired a forensic scientist that had solved another, one of the mysterious deaths of one of the um, naturopathic doctors. And so he was recommended to me by a couple of people that I trusted as much as I can trust someone I don't know and haven't met in person, but you know, people online that um, are, are really heavily involved in, in activism speaking out. Um, And I still, this is a piece of information I haven't even shared it with anyone, but I still don't have a report from him. So I paid $30,000 to get this done. All he ever got, the second autopsy never happened. All he ever got was, um, he basically confirmed that the, the gallbladder was fine because there was this narrative from within the medical freedom movement saying, oh, it's her gallbladder, nothing to see here. She didn't take care of herself because she was afraid of doctors. So now she's left her son alone in the world. Okay, so just time out. Trying to- Shame how do we, her. How do we take care of our gallbladders? Because I've been neglecting my gallbladder, I guess, because I don't even know. I didn't know that was so much. Like when you brush your teeth, you just take yeah. a little. <laughs> yeah. She was, yeah. And well, they're pushing out that narrative. And yeah. yet, that that's the only thing that this for the $30,000 that right. was raised that went to was that, oh, no, her gallbladder was fine because he was only able to get like these slides from the original autopsy. He could never do his own autopsy because they kept coming up with excuses as to why it couldn't be done. So I still don't have the official report. He told, he, I've been, I've been getting told about three, oh, many numerous times. Oh, I've sent it out to you three or four times already. Then I'm like, then give me the tracking number. Show me the yeah. tracking number of you sending it out or send it out again and give me a brand new tracking number. And then I get ignored. 
And then the one person that um, wanted, was going to do an interview and is the, one of the people that helped me find that forensic scientist, the interview just keeps getting put off and she's well known as well. And so I am half telling that story right now without names right now. But at some point I will start divulging names as to just so others are warned because I need a report in my hands for $30,000 that should have been in my hands already. I keep trying to give the benefit of the doubt, but now a piece of me wonders, was I being manipulated? Was I being manipulated by these people who were kind of, basically playing for the other side to make sure that we got wiped out from part of the fundraising money. I don't know. So I don't trust anyone. I can't have it at my kitchen table. And I sort of trusted these people, but the mo- longer this lingers on, I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure that I didn't get yeah. played by them. It just doesn't you're, make sense. Like, you sent me a report. Then show me, the, show me like there's, yeah, you you're getting the runaround. Yeah. That's the runaround. track. I don't, that's happened to me before. I've gotten ghosted and I mean, not like to that extent, but you can, after like the fourth time you know, that you've asked for something, like you don't have it. Like, you know what I mean? Like you spent that money, didn't you? <laughs> you know, whatever. Like somebody's yeah, got to Tell me where all that money went. Yeah. Where'd all that money go? You never had to hire because this forensic um, pathologist, he would have hired the actual person to do the autopsy and then he goes through everything. Well, he didn't need to hire anyone. So where's, <laughs> so where's all that money? money? That's a and lot why of did money. you never give any of it back? So I guess yeah. you're never going to get resolution on that, right? Probably not. I mean, I'll divulge names at some point if that doesn't um, if that doesn't get rectified to my liking. I will be very clear about who was involved with that. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, never. I I don't lose. I don't want to give up hope that somehow some clue doesn't land in my lap or that. You know, I find people that can help me take this further with their investigation, but I don't make it my top priority because if I know Brandy and I feel like I know her well, I, she would want the mission to continue. She would want yeah. me to focus on saving babies. And so I, I don't give up hope that maybe someday I'll get more answers, but I'm not going to beat my head against the wall. I'm going to focus on where I, you know, I can help people still. So the last time we talked, you didn't have access to learntherisk.org. You weren't 100% confident that you could carry on that mission. And it looks like you're back in the saddle there and that you are carrying on the mission. You've got resources there. It's learntherisk.org. So you decided to jump into that both feet. Yeah. I I tell people it was like a 10,000 tiny piece puzzle and I had to keep finding the pieces. And I had some like really close friends that if without them, I may have never gotten it all put together. Cause I was in the beginning stages. I was trying to protect her son and honor what she wanted for him. And she wanted me to raise him. I was not able to do that. I do believe his grandma loves him and I hope he's okay. I, I don't trust that she won't give vaccines though. I don't hundred percent trust it. If push comes to shove, I don't. And so, but I did what I could in those areas and I have weak contact with him still. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the investigation that she wanted, I did what I could there, but keeping learn the risk going was the one thing that I was not going to give up on that. And I had help and it, we managed to, I mean, there's still things that I come across and I'm like, Oh, like there's just still pieces that I try to fit, but 
for the most part, we've got it back up and running. I've spoke, I speak at events once in a while. If I, if I'm asked to, um, I was just at float fest recently and spoke there and had a lot of support from people that are coming up, you know, that they've been following her story. They agree that they think she was taken out. And, um, so I, I'm doing what I can to keep out there. I don't worry about like that echo chamber online. Cause I mean, we've gotten booted off Instagram. I have to be super, I'm getting booted almost every month on Facebook. If I put anything of any substance whatsoever, then I'm off for another month. And that's been happening. I've had that happen like 12 times in the last year that I'm off for 30 days. So I'm not giving that a lot of attention anymore. Instead, I'd rather do interviews, get out to festivals and events and just be, you know, in the, in the community and we would like more help with that as well like i would like more you know leadership roles in i hate that word leadership but you know just be your own leader in another area because she she built this great grassroots foundation um we have all the like amazing tools to help educate where you know we leave these like in the credit card slot at a gas station and at festivals what we need is to get more people you know showing our presence at festivals and whatnot you know we can be at like we're going to be at veg fest in uh southern california in june um which was just at float fest in texas so but if i could get more people having a booth you know they a lot of times will discount booths for nonprofits and get them out there to show what we're doing you know we just want more people that know the truth to get the truth out in their communities so what you're asking right now is you're saying you want people to in their local community if there's a festival or farmers market or something that you want people to go to wear a t-shirt or pass out a card or i like your idea that you put the business card with the message or whatever in the slot where you have to put your credit card in the gas station so people will have to like take it out and look at it is that what you're saying i've never heard of that one that's right yeah yeah. that's like the easy way into activism like if you're afraid to talk to people which yeah. It's not scary. Like I do it all, but I, I was a little scared in the early days. Yes, I thought you were. Right now is the easiest time to talk to Like if I see a pregnant woman, I'll be like, excuse me. And I'll go give a card and just encourage them to research. And they're open right now. People are more open than ever, ever since oh. the COVID for the vaccine, it has opened the door to people being more open than ever to talk about it. And really what's the worst case scenario that they say, mm, thank you. And walk away or like they're angry. Right. Because they are the ones who are angry anyway. Maybe they feel there is a lot of um, anger towards anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers. It's it's really mostly on social media. I think it's waning in person. Yeah, I I never wore a mask once through the whole thing. Not once did I put a mask. When you came out here? Never. No, never. Never. My line in the sand was, I'm not a slave and I'm not putting on a mask because it's a lie. It's not good for my health. And I wasn't going to, I was not going to do it. I was like, I was really headstrong about it. I I just bought like a hundred fake masks from fakemaskworldwide.com and I gave them out for Christmas. I gave them to every people who come over to my house. I would give them like a handful of them. And they were kind of, they were like $5 each. But <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm out here. I really thought that you could get through to people. But once very quickly, I realized like nobody was open out here. in California that never put one on either. It's See, very, if I, I saw those people, I would have, you know, grab, we'd be friends right now. Right. <laughs> That's how I met. I met a lot of people in the early days of it because there was a small percentage always in the stores. Like when most were masked, there'd always be like one or two others like me. Like, hey, and they're all on my phone listed as their first name and then freedom for their last name. (laughs) 
That's perfect. So yeah, yeah it was a way. Get, yeah. Yeah. We just want to get more people to get active. She created the grassroots uh, movement for people to like take it and make it easy. Like we have these easy tools that you don't even need to have. Like everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good public speaker or I just don't know enough information. And this just makes it easy. Like, did you research vaccines? Research it. Like <laughs> it makes it so easy. Yes, because actually people will send you, you need to do one for chemtrails because people will send you the, I'm not implicating you on chemtrails. I don't know what you think about them. It doesn't, you, well, I, you're I, one, I you, you can see them with your eyes because some people can't yeah. see them with their eyes. <laughs> I'm some just people kidding. think it's a flight path. I'm like, uh, wouldn't they be crashing into each other? If that, and why was that flight path here yesterday? Or right, <laughs> or there's no flight, flight path like that anymore. When I was a little kid, like I never, ever, 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 oh, ever thought yeah. that. And they'll say, yes, you did. Like, honestly, that's the answer. Yes, you did. I'm like, no, I didn't. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, if you if you had one website where you could get all and I think there is I actually there is one of those for chemtrails. But- I was going to create one at one point. I have the I have this uh, website link truth to freedom. And my intent was to pull everything, like pull, learn the risk to that one and, and get others to all like just let's have one stop <laughs> shop for everything. And I am starting to cross promote on learn the risk as well. Like we, we offer Larkin Rose's book, um, the biggest, oh, I have it right here. Superstition. Grab it. The most oh. dangerous superstition. Yes. Right. Yes. I have yeah. literally yeah. with Henry. By Etienne, I've got the government, the biggest scam. Yes, yeah, I've got that in in the store. So I'm trying to like slowly, and I'm going to make a card yet on masks because I can't believe there's still people wearing masks. (laughs) Do do that and link to the fake mask guy because if the if it comes back to airlines or trains, I mean, you really they're not going to let you on. But uh, how do you if you're spending all your time doing this and you actually travel around and all that? How do you support yourself? Um, I mean, it's that's well, a question, but like, do you? Doesn't sound like you fundraise really. Like, it's not. We do like, fundraise. We do. Well, we do fundraise. I don't take an income out of it though because I don't need to. Um, Good. But we end up. We do fundraise, and so we. I we take Bitcoin and whatnot as well. Now we have Bitcoin. And this is that- I, someone give silver as a donation nice. at the last so we and we got um we were fundraising for billboards in arizona recently and have uh for four weeks actually it looks similar to this wow where you can put, uh, you can put that stuff on billboards and they don't uh can't so I was really careful about the messaging at one point so it's sideways though the billboard of course and it right. just said had her with her, you know, the books. And did you research vaccines? Because I'm not saying anything. Right. And then everything nice. that we have online is referenced, you know, um, scientific studies and whatnot. So everything's referenced online. And I had a syringe in the original design, and that was all they asked me to take out. But I was, I actually like the design better without the syringe anyway. So it worked out well. But yeah, it was up for four weeks in Arizona and we're going to get another one up, I think in June for two weeks, because once the, that went up, we had a lot of support, more fundraise, you know, more people were sending in donations because we really are trying to pierce the public, you know, and unlike those echo chambers that are just like, oh, let's do more lawsuits. It's like, oh, in the corrupted courts? Really? Right. You're going to bleed people of their money 
to go do more lawsuits in corrupted courts. Like they're really like they're um, they're they're taking away people's money into still a system. You know, oh, let's pay the judges and the prosecutors and let's pay all these people instead of just like educate with knowledge because then people are just not going to vaccinate and not get hurt. And that would be the far cheaper, safer way to go about doing this. So they're kind of wasting people's resources in some of these movements as well. I had a, I think I have a vaccine injury in my family and it did not manifest itself for three years. It was more than three years. So if you, even if, if you're not actually experiencing damages, you can't recover any money. I don't know if you know, I I think that's how it works. That's how it works like in general, but I think in tort law, if if the damages don't occur for a long time, like the statute of limitations doesn't start running from the time you were injured without knowing it, if you can't sue. I think it's like two years. Yeah, with theirs. I think it's three years. So we cannot. And, and the only reason I was even going to pursue it is that I wanted to have kind of a history. I wanted to document the vaccine injury so that if other vaccines that are known to have a similar side effect were to be mandated, uh, I would have a ready-made exemption because I do think there's probably a cumulative effect because I was not, I vaccinated my kids. Like I didn't know until recently at all. I think it was Gardasil that I was like, oh, I had no idea. And then like these two chicks wrote a book about (laughs) terrible trials and everything. And then the whole thing, I was like, oh, I I didn't know that they could get away with that, you know? So we can't even... I can't even document the problem because you can probably, you might be able to document on VAERS. It's just, you can't sue. There's a two year. I don't need to sue. I just, just want VAERS I think will still do the document documenting of it for within the day. Okay. That's great to know. Yeah. I would look into that. I'm pretty sure you can still document it. So I wanted to know if you like with this, do you don't seem overly focused specifically on the COVID thing or the vaccine thing now because it's just kind of everything. But do you think that yeah. there's how significant? Yeah, Kate, tell me what you think. Well, as people kept asking me because we have cards like for you know what the ingredients are, or what what they do to you. Like we have all kinds of cards to educate on different aspects of vaccines. And then when COVID came, they were like, we and we have cards for Gardasil. We have cards for the flu shot. And everyone was like, we need cards for COVID. And I just, it took me so long to figure out what I wanted to do about that because I'm like, I didn't have it in me to research another shot that I know they're all based on lies anyway, right? And and the other thing was like some of the people within the movement were just so hyper-focused on COVID that they've lost the messaging for all the other shots that are killing babies and hurting children. So I thought, no. I So what I did was I made a card. I thought I had it here. But it basically said covid and in the corner with a syringe and it said dangerous experimental and dangerous like all vaccines and then i put the law the 1986 law on the back and on the front it basically says the government's not liable the doctor's not liable and the manufacturer's not liable learn That's the rest all you need to know. Yeah. yeah that is so all like, you need to know we don't need if, right now our flu shot cards don't even sell anymore because they're just going to keep coming up with their new fear you know fear mongering on some new thing so if you just get to the root of it, we've never needed any of them and they're all dangerous. And so I just created a card that basically said that. That is funny. I was thinking of that NATO show I did where one of the things that said NATO stands for is rule of law. 
And that just made me laugh because everything that they said they stood for is like they completely violate all the time. But but I didn't think about how like that liability protection that the pharmaceutical companies enjoy is is an abomination against fundamental law. So we don't have a statutory law system where you like decide in advance what's okay and what's not okay. We have a tort law system, common law, all that, where you if you're injured the person has to take responsibility, but it doesn't mean that no one can do anything that everyone can do whatever they want. And then you're like gravely responsible for the injuries that you visit on other people and to take away, you know, in a system that relies on that to deter bad behavior, to take away that deterrent is, I mean, proof positive. It's up then to them to prove to you that it's safe because they're not deterred. There's no consequences to bad action. I mean, you wouldn't give kid the keys to the car if you didn't have consequences for bad action. I mean, it's just how we operate. I mean, very quickly, when you realize there are no consequences to bad, I think that people say like power crops, absolutely, absolute power crops, absolutely. I think that uh, lack of consequences corrupts absolutely. And and it's it's de facto evidence that you cannot trust those actors. And so you don't you're right. You don't have to look into it. It's up to them to tell you that to prove to you that it's safe. Right. And I mean, people look into car seats and baby monitors more. Some of them more than they do what is getting injected into their child. I know it didn't you know, even occur that oh, this car manufacturer is not liable. They can they can do whatever they want. They're not liable. You wouldn't buy that. No. <laughs> and the thing car. about. Um, vaccines and injections and stuff is, first of all, my kids would scream bloody murder when you would want to stick a needle in their arm. And like in retrospect, I was like, that was such a good instinct. And then I started thinking about what it is. I'm like, so they're cutting their veins open and they're depositing something directly in their veins that if they just gave it to them, like through their face holes or whatever, like you're supposed to put stuff in your body, it would probably metabolize it all out. Like it would completely neutralize it because it's a bunch of non-food. It would be, it would be safe to drink because our natural defenses yeah. would, would kick in. And, and it's coming. That's why there's so many autoimmune issues, even in adults, because you're going in a way that's unnatural. So the body starts to try to defend it itself. And then that's where the autoimmune issues are coming from because yeah. it's like for an invader coming in, in, in an un, uh, unnatural way and bypassing the natural defenses. I've seen some injuries myself on, on like localized injuries because of that very disturbing things, really sad. And people don't realize it's the vaccine, even though it's very clearly <laughs> you know, highly correlated with that event. But I feel like your approach to this topic and uh, how you've kind of dedicated your life to it, I feel like it's it's not the only aspect of your life that you kind of stay true to. And I know I would have, you know, when I think back, I, I'm not sure if I wish I homeschooled my kids. I'm not sure like if I feel like they'd be better armed for the world, having been through kind of this trial by fire and, and in some cases being the odd man out at school where other kids just, you know, they'll laugh at, they'll laugh at my kids for being right. <laughs> like my kids are right. Yeah. And the other kids are laughing yeah. and you're like, that person's an idiot, but there's 10 of them. So the kid feels bad, but you ended up, I guess, after that, just homeschooling your kids, even though you moved to Arizona. Is that right? Do I remember that right? Yeah. My, at times my daughter that got kicked out basically of the system going into middle school, 
she got to a point off and on where she'd be like, I think I, maybe I should, maybe I will go to high school. And I'd say, well, what, what subjects are you interested in? Cause I knew she wasn't interested in any of them because <laughs> she was a dancer. Actually, she was dancing seven days a week oh, and like she wanted to stay open a studio and actually the pandemic like completely got her off course, which was really sad because she had, she was just such a dedicated kid and it was really hard on her when, you know, her, all that social stuff she was doing and her passions just came to an end and she ended up getting a job and working and buying so a car. So she never and went he, back to dancing? No, I'm still oh. trying to talk it right now like yeah real damage like that lot no, caused real damage. i'm like this is the year like i will pay for you to go back like just do one more year and yeah so the pandemic really threw her off um but i would she'd always say to me mom you're not like other moms other moms are making their kids go to school making them get good marks and you always talk me out of it because yes. i want you indoctrinated by the government like that's it's all useless information anyway like they're not they don't even teach people how to like get a mortgage like things that are actually could be useful they don't teach you how to grow food like nothing to be self-sustaining it's just basically how to and they created schools to basically be factory workers and i don't like how they have them all you know in a little box like you're all supposed to learn this memorize and regurgitate this information because i feel like even when i went to school i would do it and i had okay marks but I don't, you could ask me like, you know, any, some of those questions that I didn't care about back then. And I don't know it now because I just memorized, regurgitated and out of my brain it went. All of my learning was because I'm a curious person and I care about health. And I was always curious about the, you know, lies in, in, in what they're saying about um, what we should be eating and how to heal the body. Like I was always curious. And so most of my learning came from my own teaching myself, reading tons of books. I never stop reading. I had some similar experiences. A lot of what you said I've got uh, comments on. One is I noticed the same thing. I was a very good student, whatever. I got good grades. I was actually not a good student. I was obnoxious and whatever, but I got good <laughs> grades. And I remember basically top of the class kind of stuff. And I remember after I went to school till I was 30, when I was finished and had, had kids and stuff, I thought, I don't think I learned anything at all. Like, I don't think I learned anything. So if my kid graduated from high school, learning how to play a musical instrument or speaking a language, just one practical thing. So then I was always like, yeah, yeah. you got to either learn a language or play. I, I couldn't even think of anything else. If they learned how to grow chickens, I would have been fine too. Like anything would have been fine. I gr I got nothing. And then, and then I became an investment bank for a while. And all of that just took up all of my time. So I only really began to get educated after I got through all that. And of course had like, I've probably gone through millions of dollars of debt in my life. I just feel like all the houses I've indebted myself to and all the schooling I indebted myself to. And I, I wonder in the end, like if you just, people don't really, it was like the vaccines, like it didn't occur to me to think about anything. So when, if you think about how much it costs, even though my father was like, don't go to college, it's a waste of time and you'll be brainwashed. And that was a long time ago. Wow, and I did anyway. Oh yeah. Um, he told me not to get a wedding license. Yeah. He was right. He was. Oh, that's so amazing. Totally wow. based. And that's I know. Like, so, 
kids. <laughs> I was ready. Yeah, I was ready, but I ignored him. And now I'm back where he was. And I was like, oh, I was like, you're so wrong. I'll get super rich. I'll be an investment banker. And by the time like the economic cycle spit me out of that and I wanted to have kids and everything, I had basically just paid off the loans. I got married. I paid off my husband's loans. I got a wedding. I bought a house and, and you know, put all the rest of the money in the equity. And then the housing market crashed. Like I'm a baby bust generation. And just after the boomers kind of like have that, Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, burn and whatever strategy, they, they just like, it's just like they, it's like, uh, completely consume everything in their path. And then in the, we always live through the bust time. So it was a, it was a, a lot of effort. And I just think sometimes like with my kids going to college, I'm basically say you could take, t- it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you could take that money and do something more Start useful with it. Like, yeah. Get it, buy a, buy a salon, you know, buy a farm, like do I something agree. like that. I'm open to that, but they, they're not. And I understand why they're not. And maybe they'll because do better than. System. I mean, that's yeah, part of system. it. Right? They're in the system and that's what the friends are doing. That's because that's how the system, they peg these kids against each other and then make them feel like, oh, well, you know, you're not smart if you don't do this. You know, they, it's all competition to all be the same and fit properly in that box. <laughs> so my, I we went through the system, but their dad and I both were, I have two different dads for two, first two kids and then the next three. And the my ex is like wide awake of the first two boys. So even though they went through the full system, him and I, even though we weren't together, we were both educating. We had started the education together on cancer cures. So we already knew we were being lied to on that. And so when we parted ways, he continued educating himself and I did. And when I woke up to the vaccine issue, he was already, you know, kind of investigating that himself. So I, we didn't have any issues. We were on the same page and we still are to this day. I mean, I want him to move out here and help build tiny homes. You're, <laughs> we're really you're close. Sons are pretty, I mean, they're in their early twenties and they're very awake, very, very awake. My granddaughter will never be vaccinated. His wife is like on the same page. I'm so lucky. And then my next ones are the ones I pulled out of the school system. And my daughter, even that was saying um, she wanted to go back to school. I was like, oh, my God, she just doesn't understand, like, why I'm doing this. Like, I thought I was losing her when she started asking that. You know, she's been dating a guy now, a really nice guy. And she's like, Mom, you know, you have to talk to him or like maybe when you're around your friends, because I made a comment about our kids not going to um, public school, you know, if we get, have kids together someday, she's like, and he thinks that they need to go to school. You need to talk to him. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, so, and she, you know, she was, she did end up wearing a mask a couple, like at work once in a while because she had to, but, and she started with like a little chin guard, but for the longest time, if she went to a mall or anywhere with her friends and they all put one on, she would not. And I would say to her, well, what are you going to do if security kicks you out because you won't put one on? She goes, well, you can come pick me up then. So I was like, yeah. I have a question. Does she have a smartphone? She does. Oh, well, I can't believe she's so clear thinking. Yeah, but I do too. I will, you and I, but we're, I felt like that was such a vulnerable age. My kids didn't get phones till they were like 13. And it just, it really she's got to that. older too. And she is on it a lot, but I don't know. I feel like because I've been so immersed for years. Yeah happened in California and she was at all the rallies with me. She's been to so many events with me that I think it really was sinking in and we go to freedom festivals together. And so 
it, I think it's been hard on her because she did go to school up until middle school. And so some of her friends, even though they're in California and she's here now, she still sees them on social media. So I think a piece of her has wanted to fit into that, but a piece of her foundationally knows that it's all bullshit that they're teaching. Like, I think there's a good piece of her that really understands. I think she's, she's probably had the hardest when the pandemic struck of all my kids. For and sure. she was how old? Brandy died in the middle of all that too. And that really affected her. She actually got her, her arm tattooed with a message yeah. to be along the lines of, you know, until we meet again idea um, for Brandy after she passed. And it wasn't that they were super, super close. I mean, we were close, but um, Brandy could be hard to deal with at times because she was like, a little, you know, an only child and a powerhouse with all of this. But <laughs> I knew her heart was in the right place. And I always supported her mission because our mission was the same. And so, but she wasn't always easy to be around. So sometimes Olivia would be you know, upset with her because of how she would treat her, but it really impacted her when she yeah. passed. Like it, and, and so the pandemic had happened, that had happened. So my 17 year old has probably had the hardest, I'm sure she's going to come out of everything just fine. Yeah. I hope she finds what she wants to do. And cause I've always encouraged my kids be an entrepreneur, figure out what you love to do and make your own money in your own way. So you're never controlled, never owned, but they can't tell you, Oh, if you don't put a mask on, you're going to lose your job. Oh, if you don't inject yourself, you're going to lose your job. I want my kids to be able to stand on their own two feet doing something that they're passionate about and not be controlled. And the, I've been kind of, I've been pretty much given that message from a young age. I, I do have to say, even though my family has kind of, fallen into the pandemic. Um, my, I was raised with a mom that was a hairdresser and a dad that was a bricklayer and my mom's shop was in her home. So I always saw that kind of independence in my own home. And I never want to be, I mean, I'm a, I'm an Aries too. And I, (laughs) and so I've kind of instilled that in my kids, like figure out what you're going to do. And I don't care what it is. I've never had like my, my kids have to be a doctor or a lawyer. Of course, not a doctor. <laughs> I want my kids to just be happy in whatever they're doing and be able to pay their own bills and hopefully make some change in this world. I mean, hopefully you have purpose in whatever you decide to do. I thought the same thing. I can't imagine after all of this and just seeing what the totalitarian vibe at school, how anybody who survived with their head screwed on right as a kid could ever like work in a corporate environment. So like, that's what I said to my son. I'm like, I know you want to go to college and everything, but is there like a college for entrepreneurs? Because you're probably not going to want to work for anyone ever. <laughs> Life is for entrepreneurs. I like she ended up working for someone else. There were ways I could have had her be working on her own and not working, like having to put a mask on, but she wanted to meet kids through working there. And so it kind of fell into that. But my, well, yeah, we talked about him earlier before we were on air, but my 15 year old, he's monetized now on YouTube and doing really well. Like he's, I'm not even monetized on YouTube. And <laughs> great. Like he, I would say within a week, he had over 20,000 viewers now he's like well over 40. He might be at wow. 50. Yeah. He's, he's really a smart kid. Like he's, um, he does all this editing and he's funny. Like he's humorous in the videos that he does. He's amazing. And so, yeah, well, that's the thing when you teach your kids to think and you treat them like that, you can, it's funny how it's like when 
I took my son to a pediatrician a couple of years ago and the guy said, hey, man, if you start lifting weights and everything like the, the testosterone is flowing right now, like you're going to really bulk up. I feel like there's some humor thing that happens right around that time where they can just really see what's preposterous and absurd, probably because the teenage boys are hanging around with the te- teenage girls. So the girls are kind of absurd with all the TikTok and everything. And the boys are, <laughs> I, you know, the boys are like, that's ridiculous. And they're completely right. Like the whole thing, it's just very funny. And it went, and it's really sad that it caused so much pain and suffering, especially among teenagers and kids. And, and this, I felt like this entire thing was very much following the war pattern so it takes a lot for them to gin up the war. They mess around inside the war to make it last a lot longer. They have a vision of how it's really going to change the culture afterwards. People who really remember the before times don't totally change. There are a lot of technological advancements that happen during that time. But then you have like the war generation that are the tough ones, the ones who uh, either sank or swam, bought into the new regime or steadfast to the old regime or just became skeptical or their own person. And I mean, it's a terrible trial, but I do have high hopes that if you stuck with your people, this is this is one thing that you and I probably both have. It sounds like you're, you're probably better at it than I am, but uh, we want to be out in the world and we want to make this difference and we feel an obligation. I don't want to speak for you, but this is how I feel. And I, I kind of see it reflected in how you are that uh, we have an obligation. We, we have children and we see what's wrong with the world and it wouldn't be right to like bon bon and soap opera our way through days and days, even if it means a lot of extra work and taking away maybe from how many dinners you get to make and all that, because you've got to do the best you can to preserve the world for these kids and to uh, and and to make sure that they that you don't shelter them too much, that you give them the tools and the skills and the love and the sense of security that ultimately they'll remember it all, even though this is a trying period. And, you know, it, it definitely results in some fissures, you know, in the, in the personality. But I, I feel confident that we've, I am very hopeful that we're at the end of that like real war phase of it and that we can start kind of nurturing our kids again. And I don't know. I mean, do you feel like we're headed back to another, another dive? Oh, oh no, not like right. Well, you really can't hear them hinting at it. I don't, and I don't follow the news, but I can't avoid it either. I mean, stuff's always landing. My, my friends are like, really, they listen to it and they, I don't live in fear. So that's the one thing I will not live in fear. I, and, but I, I'm always a bit prepared. But they're they're hinting at food shortages. They're going to do more well, yet. that. Yes, so, we've you know, we've and got I more don't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, some people could stand to not be eating so much. Like fasting is actually really good for you. So don't be in fear of that. Just prep a bit, right? Like buy extra, you know, have some extra food on hand if you can, or start reducing what you eat so you can have extra food on hand and like drag it out more. I have so many teas and stuff here. I could fast no problem. I have. <laughs> I, don't, so I, I have, won't live in fear. I know that actually. Eating less is is good for the body, and if that happens, but we are kind of like looking into having land. I'm not ready to leave. I would say I always tell people like, if you once you start waking up to this, but you still want to be here in the matrix, just keep one foot in the matrix and kind of have one prepared to get out. (laughs) And and as a little you know interaction, but I want to help the people that are here. So I'm still living 
you know, in the matrix, but I, oh, I'm kind of always planning and I do it in a fun way, not in a fearful way. Like I'm actually excited to start growing food and like having, if it, if it, here's the thing, if it gets worse, really everything that's happened so far that was bad has made my life even better. Like, I just feel like I have better quality friends than I've ever had in my life. I am connected to my kids and to, I, I feel like everything that has happened is just making things better and better. I would never go back in time. I met some amazing people through the pandemic who would have maybe never, ever been shaken awake if that hadn't happened. So, and I feel like, you know, nobody's really doing this to us. Most people are doing it to themselves. You're being manipulated by liars. And if you're not smart enough to like go inside and get your truth and, and find your intuition and start really looking for yourself, well, Nobody's doing it to us. We do have a choice. They may make it hard for us to make our yeah. choice. But we always have a choice. As and like I was even saying, you know, I would never even, my kids would be like in a, I would say a tent, but realistically an RV on land somewhere before I would be a mass Nazi at some store. I would never take money yes. where I'm in, I'm helping perpetuate the problem. I think yes. you get more people that had like a strong foundation of morals and principles None of this would have happened, but that's the problem is most people will do whatever it takes for money and to keep their life the same and comfortable. Comfortable. It's not going to be. It's not going to be. So I'm shifting into if, if I need to move on to land with an RV or start building tiny homes, whatever it is, I'm going to embrace that path. I'm not, and it's not a fearful thing. Like right now it's more of a, let's kind of plan this over here and it'll be like a little weekend getaway or, you know, a little retreat that we go to once in a while or to teach kids how to grow or, you know, have goats and chickens. But I'm, I'm also kind of still over here in the matrix because I do want to help others because I I think there's still more people ready to wake up. There is people are waking up. Well, maybe that's the hope that the evil overlords don't understand that we have souls. They don't think we have souls, so they don't account for it. Yeah, exactly. So you got soul, exactly. Tina. You got soul. <laughs> and it's been super fun talking to you. You've got so much energy. I love the positivity. I think you've got a brilliant insight there that just staying fit is really important to being ready for the next step and be, not being afraid. Like that's actually it reminds me of yoga, like yoga, the practice of the physical practice is really preparation to be able to meditate like that. A, a nervous body can't meditate. Right, and right. so there is that connection and it makes you a lot stronger and more powerful and more confident. So that is a, a fantastic uh, original insight that I had not really well, incorporated what, in the world. What you just said, soul, like when you remember, we're not our body, we're a soul. And this is just all a big game. I mean, watch the Truman show. If people would watch the Truman show and really get it, just enjoy it. I just try to enjoy the ride. I'm not in fear of anything that comes my way because I know I can handle anything. And, and, and just having that mindset makes you more and more able to handle anything. Just enjoy the ride. And well, you, you can, can purpose. I worry a little bit about that. You are so super bold, but it sounds like you are fearless and making a difference. And I love that. And uh, so tell people again what you give them a call to action and how they can follow what you're doing or, or just educate themselves. Uh, we'll go to learntherisk.org and we do accept crypto donations. And right now we're working on um, billboards in New Jersey, 
Arizona, Texas, and Florida. And we have some people that have reached out. And actually, I've got to add a few more states because I had people at the last event. So, and if you want your state added to that and you want, you know, you're someone that can help me with fundraising in your area and you want to start doing booths or whatever, just reach out to me at info at learntherisk.org and, you know, we can get you set up to help us save babies and save adults now. We've been saying for years, they're coming after the adults next and it's exactly what they did. Well, man, I think that you are on top of it and way ahead of it. So I will continue to follow what you're doing. And I thank you so much for your time today. It's great talking to you again. Thank you for having me on. Bye-bye.